I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, I always thought bisexuals were just greedy and you guys just can't pick. Or maybe it's like a pit stop on the way to realizing you're gay. And it's like it is a valid sexual identity to be attracted to multiple genders. And I think there is this expectation to... Um, be able to back up what you say with experiences, but we don't do that with people when they're heterosexual. Hello, hello. Welcome to Figuring Out 30. I'm Bridget Husswaite, and I hope you enjoyed this upcoming conversation with Maria Thetil, which is pretty much all about our sexuality and figuring it out later in life. I absolutely adore this conversation with Maria, and I'll give her a proper introduction in a moment. But first, got to give you a quick recap of the last week. I'm coming off the back of another really eventful week with lots of live music. There's so much happening in terms of like gigs and festivals and whatnot. And hey, I've got to say, since like leaving my job, I'm really enjoying music and live music in a whole new way. Like I feel like it's gone back to feeling like a hobby because you know when something turns into work and even if it is something awesome and if it's still your dream job, it's still a job, it's still work and you're still switched on. But I'm not feeling that anymore when I'm listening to new music releases and when I'm going to gigs and stuff and it, yeah, it feels really nice. But anyway, I saw Turnstile last week. So it was actually Valentine's evening. If you're not across Turnstile, um, they're like this hardcore band from Baltimore. They're on the laneway lineup. And if you've heard me on Triple J, I'm sure you've heard me rave about their latest record, Glow On. Um, holy shit, they are <laughs> one of the best live bands I've ever seen. I cannot get over that gig. I can't even begin to describe like the energy of that show. It was proper nonstop adrenaline. The the crowd was insane. Like people like fully moshing and crowd surfing and just absolutely letting loose. And I am too chicken shit to get involved in that, but I love watching it from afar. Um, but the band just sounded so tight and like the the whole front man ship, is that the word? musicianship frontmanship like Brendan Yates who was the frontman of Turnstile he is a showman an absolute performer um they absolutely tore it up it was ah, it was so good I can't get over it and I also can't get over this gig that I got to MC over the weekend at Fed Square it was a f- all-female lineup so there was like Jula Wusu, Veda Bourne, Greta Ray and Vera Blue it was a free all-ages gig incredible bill and it was so special seeing Greta in particular because her debut album it came out in 2021 it's called Begin to Look Around it soundtracked my 2021 which was my first year you know it's when I turned 30 it soundtracked all of that year for me and you know experiencing heartbreak and entering this new chapter and really you know coming into myself again and 
oh God, it was just really special to see that live and special to see Greta again because it has been a couple of years since I've been to one of her shows and to see how she's evolved because we first met in like 2016 when she took out Triple J Unatai. She was still in high school. She has gone from performing with a guitar and being, you know, a real kind of gentle soul on the stage to fully, you know, putting the guitar to the side, taking the mic off the stand and like strutting around the stage like nobody's business. Like she's really like, you know, coming to herself as well. And um, her new music is just, yeah, it's something to be super excited about. She's working on her second album and she played a new song. I think that's going to be on the album. It's like an unreleased track in in the set. Um, I can't remember the name. It was something about like, I don't do casual well, like can't do casual relationships well. Not only that, she like, not to brag, but I totally am flexing on this. She dedicated Drive to me, like her breakthrough song. She dedicated that to me on stage in front of all these people at Fed Square. I am still pinching myself, like big fangirl moment. It was so sweet of her. But anyway, let's keep moving. Um, I'll give you my Bridgie pick for the week, a little recommendation. It's another song. I feel like this is just going to end up being a song recommendation every week, but you know, that's what I do. This one is coming out of New Zealand and it's also from the youngest sister of Lord. So her name is Indy and I actually premiered her debut single on the radio last year, which is called Threads. And she's just dropped the debut EP of the same title. And my highlight from that body of work is a song called Freeloader. So the previous offerings from Indie have been, you know, a bit more mellow and expansive, but this is like a straight up upbeat sassy moment which I live for and when I heard this on Friday it was just instant love so I've had this on repeat and it's my Bridgie pick my recommendation for you Um, if you like what you're hearing go check out her her debut EP again it's called Threads but this is my favorite song from that release Freeloader. All right, but let's get into this week's episode with Maria Thetil. This is a conversation I really enjoyed. And as you'll hear, Maria is such a powerhouse. I mean, to give you a bit of an introduction, she really needs no introduction, but Maria was crowned Miss Universe Australia in 2020. And she's gone on to be a really important voice in Australian media, uh, championing a whole range of social justice issues. And today's actually the official release day of Maria's first published book, which is called Unbounded. And she's got a massive week ahead as part of Sydney World Pride. And our chat is mostly centered around the topic of our sexuality, because if you're not aware, just over a year ago, Maria came out on national TV as bisexual. She also just turned 30 and she now identifies as pansexual. So you're going to hear what it was like coming out, not only to the public, but to her family as well, because she grew up in a big family of Indian immigrants and a pretty conservative religious household with her father, a former Catholic priest. So you're going to hear all about that and what it was like to come out later in life as opposed to, you know, her early 20s or her late adolescence. And I really enjoyed this conversation, particularly because I personally identify as pansexual. You may recall I published an episode last year of Figuring Out 30 all about single and dating life. And I was talking to my friend Dee about it and how I identify. 
So yeah, two pans on a pod right now. Really hope you enjoy this one. Let's get into it. It's figuring out 30 and figuring out our sexuality with Maria the Till. Maria, welcome to the podcast and also welcome to your 30s, baby. How's it feeling? Oh my God, what a warm welcome. Okay, it feels really good. It, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel any different, Good, but there is something about my attitude and my energy that's different, oh, which really? is probably the best way to describe it. Yeah, because I feel really excited about it. Whereas I think in the past few years, as I knew I was approaching 30, I was like, okay, what does this mean? And I feel like we have this pressure to make it mean something like it's a new era. Am I older? Should I, should I be doing things differently? But I feel like I've got a really good attitude towards it. So I'm kind of like, no, I'm, I'm feeling really good about myself and I'm really ready for whatever this year brings as I would be any year. Yeah. yeah. I think that's so important. And I think the approach in the lead up to turning 30 is really just as important as I guess turning 30 itself, because we do have this tendency to kind of psych ourselves out and think like, Oh God, it's some crazy, you know, deadline or whatever, but it is just turning, you know, another year older. And I mean, I still like to look at it as it's still a brand new chapter. Cause I think starting a new chapter is always yeah. so exciting, but that lead up is just so important, but we unfortunately can be so conditioned sometimes to feel like it's just like the most fucking daunting thing ever. <laughs> and you know what? It's exactly that. And and everyone will say, for anyone who's listening, listen, I'm not about to give you a really like fluffy, like it's a new dawn, like you're, you know, you're as young as you're, you feel and, and give you that. <laughs> I'm going to be really real with you. The thing is, there is a stigma around it because of, and especially for women, the way we treat women as they approach 30, because there are still old mindsets around expectations to get married or have kids and I know this because you know I live a very public life and when I've shared like I don't know if I want to get married and I don't think I want kids there's a lot of backlash towards that sort of thing and so what I would say is there will still be people who have attitudes and expectations that they impose on you but it's kind of up to you to role model what you want and how you wish people would receive you so for me it's like yeah I know that within my community I'm South Asian I know that there are people who think like that girl better settle down soon and there are people who eye roll because I've not had kids and done that sort of thing but for me I'm going to really confidently live my choices and that will help other people who are approaching their 30s to go you know what stuff it I'm going to do it my way and do what feels good for me. It's so true you really just got to yeah, own your choices because there's no right or wrong way of doing it. And you said the the magic E word expectation in there, which I'd love to hone in on um, a little moment of expectation versus reality, right? So w- let's wind back to, you know, little baby Maria, like growing up and I guess what maybe you had envisioned for yourself by this age. So what was the expectation and then what was the reality? Well, I can very clearly tell you because I have my journals from when I was 19. Do you really? Oh my gosh, that is content. (laughs) I know it is content. And it's so funny because my journals that I wrote when I was 19 and and going through a bunch of stuff, they're actually now excerpts in Unbounded in my book. So it's so cool. I didn't ever think when I was writing them, they'd make their way into a published book, but they have. But the thing is when I was 19, it's so funny. I wrote down when I'm 25, I was studying psychology at the time, so I've since finished that degree, but I'd written, I'm going to be 
a clinical psychologist. I'll be engaged to a man I love, living with him in our home. And so I guess then by 30, I imagine back then I would have thought I would have had a couple of kids and I'd be working in a job, maybe taking time off to take care of them. Whereas right now, I work for myself. I'm building a media career that continues to grow month on month on month. And I'm out and dating a woman that I'm so in love with. And it's like, what is this? Like, had I stuck to those expectations, I think I would have been living a, someone else's blueprint, you know, not something that feels true to me. So I think that's really important to do away with other people's expectations. And it's hard, especially if you're from certain communities. But at the end of the day, when you look back, if you're going to disappoint anyone when it comes to your life, don't let it be you. Yeah. You know, just that's one thing. You don't want to look back with regret and think I could have done things that made me happier, you know? Yeah, totally. So when we talk about forming these expectations at a young age and everything you kind of jotted down and I guess like honing in a bit on, yeah, your upbringing and whatnot, because I know you've, you know, touched on that publicly and in your book and whatnot. So can we kind of go through the family dynamic and I guess what the expectations were there and how you kind of found breaking out of that and especially with your brother Dom who's had his own you know experience coming out and I guess you know the role of that in your own um, experience navigating your sexuality. Yeah well we grew up in a very um, conservative family because mum and dad are Indian immigrants so they moved here in the 90s but dad used to be an ex-priest so like he was he just like fully, you know, even to this day, he's like, you know, even though I'm not a priest, I still retain the right to hear confessions. If you ever want to talk, I'm like, no, thanks, Dad. Like, <laughs> I'm good. That's, I'm good. <laughs> so he was very religious. Mom's very religious. And they grew up in very big families. And there is a very collectivist culture within, you know, our family. So it's very community based. It's very um, undying loyalty no matter what, um, and unconditional love, which interestingly, unconditional love can sometimes means you keep loving even when your boundaries are violated. And so when I was growing up, um, there was a very high value placed on education mm. and mum and dad, you know, despite growing up in a very traditional context, they really wanted me to succeed and they thought that education was going to be my ticket to do that. So I was a very academically inclined kid. So I never really disappointed them in that way. Like I was straight A's, graduated with honors from my uni degrees, was nominated for a scholarship to Harvard. Like they were always like, oh, cool. Like she's she's on the right path, you know. And somewhere along the way, like I always dated men as well. So mm. I always had boyfriends that they loved. Um, but the expectation was that, yeah, I would get a really good job. And eventually one of these boyfriends would turn into husbands. Mum and dad are dying for me to have kids. Um, so this is what they want. And then when I was about 21, my brother came out to me. Wow. And I was, so were you yeah, the first person? The first person in the family that he came out to, yeah. And he did it very nonchalantly. I just got back from traveling Europe with my girlfriends and he came out to me and my, in my head, I remember just freaking out thinking, how are we going to tell mom and dad? How are we going to tell mom and dad? But to him, I kept a very calm facade. I'm like, okay, who have you been dating? Like, tell me about it. Yeah, what's the tea? And, yeah, what's the tea? Like, you know, but but I was worried for my brother because I thought our parents, like within our community, they we never really talked about the LGBTQIA plus community. Within the church, it wasn't talked or celebrated. Within South Asian communities, it wasn't. So like, they don't understand that. How are we going to make them understand this about him? 
And so initially they didn't understand and Dom left home for a period of time because it was really hard for him. Mm. And that is a very, very tough time for our family. He was just not in a good way. And I know that one day he'll tell his story, um, but it's very painful. And so mum and dad ended up realising that their only job as a parent and their only right is to love their kid. Mm -hmm. And so when they realised that we could lose our son if we don't open our minds, Dominic ended up coming back home and those bonds were healed beautifully. And I talk about it all in the book um, because it was a journey. Mm. And Dominic ended up paving the way for me. Yeah, that's huge. You know, so, and they still didn't get it because, okay, they got their head around being gay, being bisexual. They're like, what do you mean? Pick one. <laughs> but I'm like, that's the point. Like, and, you know, even the term bisexual, which is what I used at the time, I, I, have the capacity to love and be attracted to non-binary people, to transgender people. Like I, I just don't feel limited by those things. Yeah. So technically I guess you'd fit under pansexual, but again, yeah. labels, I, I just hate the labels because I think sexuality is fluid. It's on a spectrum that for the purpose of understanding, I'll use those terms. Uh, I agree though. And I identify as pansexual and it's such a weird I mean, I don't, it's, it's the label thing is a is such a strange thing and how everyone wants to embrace it individually is completely up to them. But I don't feel like I need to be like, hi, I'm Bridget, I'm pansexual or, yeah. you know, yeah. make a point of it. Cause I just, for me, I'm like, I kind of don't understand why everyone isn't pansexual. Like that's my thinking. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. what do you mean? Like, like how, yeah. I'm just like, how can you box yourself? Well, not box yourself in. I want to be like very considerate of how I'm talking about it, but I'm like, if I meet a, a, a trans person and I am, you know, attracted to them, I'm attracted to them. And You're attracted to them. And it that's it is what it is. But yeah. yeah, it's just interesting, the labels. And I think also when you talk about education and how important that was for your parents to, um, you know, instill that in, in you guys growing up, but how's the education for them, you know, not academic, yeah. but just the way of living and how we do identify and, um, and, and whatnot, like, I mean, how much have they yeah. learned? <laughs> they've, well, they've, they've unlearned a lot to learn a whole lot. Yeah, so right. our parents and, and education, you know, academic education is one thing, but we're learning in so many different ways every day. And for example, my brother was not, he didn't like school, but he is one of the most brilliant humans I've ever met, knows everything about everything, is poetic, is artistic. And if you were to measure his intelligence just by school, it's like that's not, it, it has no bearing on his capacity for, you know, brilliance. So I think education, like with my parents, yeah, they grew up in and they studied and they grew up in the church with their faith, but they have been re-educated on so much more and they've made informed choices about actually, and my dad said this in a campaign we did with Ole very recently. He said, I actually haven't lost my faith and my values. I'm actually practicing it more by loving my kids. Yeah. And I think that's the most beautiful thing. And also the thing you said on labels, it's such an interesting thing because I've noticed in media, there are certain gossip sites that when they like to write articles about me, it's always bisexual Maria Fatil. Oh, they do it with Chief Flip as well all oh the time. Oh my God. Non-binary artist. It's like Non-binary artist. And it's like bisexual Maria Fatil. Yeah. And I think it's so funny. Like you have to laugh at it. But there's two sides to this, right? Because one, it's like, I shouldn't have to talk about my bisexuality, but the truth of the matter is we're not there yet. And especially for conservative communities, like I know my own community. Yeah. I'm um, a daughter of Indian immigrants. I know where I come from. 
that visibility is important. I'm not saying put it in every headline, but you do want to speak publicly about it. But I also think draw the line, like the, the clickbait headlines where, you know, we, like Dame Julie Andrews, bisexual Maria the deal. Like, can we not? Is this what we've like sighed me now? Like, yeah. This is what I am. It's like I've been knighted with my sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I've been knighted with my sexual preferences. <laughs> yeah, and I hate when they kind of make a point to use it in an article and then you see in the comments section that's what people will look at, like that's what they pick out and then they comments yeah. and they're like, oh, what do you mean by sexual? Well, I can't yeah, but we all know days. who the audience on those yeah. sorts of articles are and I think there's a very there's a fine line between like meaningfully championing representation in media and then having certain outlets take that, twist that, and then manipulate it to try and antagonize and get clickbait, like, you know. So it's unfortunately, this is what you're dealing with when you're still trying to push for that kind of representation and and changing the narrative because we still live in a world where we still hear rhetoric about drag queens being harmful somehow to society. And and there's still so much um, anti-LGBTQIA plus sentiment out there, especially around pride, which is so disappointing. So we need to keep having these conversations, but also call out the conversations where it's like, do not use this and weaponize this because yeah. that is also something that happens. Yeah, absolutely. And, in, and you know, we are leading up to all these events for Pride Week and you've got such a busy schedule, which we'll touch on in a moment. And of course, we're going to talk more about the book because it's just casually out to the published author. <laughs> Um, but when we talk about the attitudes to these labels you know I saw this I'm gonna pull it up on my phone because I had to take screenshots as soon as I saw it I was like I really want to chat to Maria about it because this new research came out right Mm. and it revealed that bisexual daters are three times more likely to have never never had a queer dating experience because they feel nervous telling a potential date it's their first time Dating as a bi person can come with a lot of biphobia, the idea that you need to pick a yeah. side or that you're not really bi, you're just experimenting. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, um, you've dated, you know, mostly men really and how have you kind of navigated that exact experience because I have a lot of imposter syndrome even saying pan when I'm in a relationship with a guy, you know. Yeah, how yeah. have you and, gone about it? And it doesn't, you know, you are currently in a heterosexual relationship, but it doesn't in any way invalidate your queerness. And I think when I first came out, there's a lot of pressure when you are, you know, for, for, I've known for a long time, a very long time, but for a number of reasons, didn't act on it. And so there's this pressure to feel like you need to put forward like a sexual or emotional resume mm. and say, actually, like, I know I'm bisexual because I've been with this number of you know, men and women and had this many relationships. And it's funny because it even comes from the community. I remember I, um, when I just come out, I went out one night and I was hooking up with this girl and I remember her saying to me something to the effect of like, I wonder if you really do like women, but she was trying to do it in like a sexy way to like entice me to like be really like, you know, just really get into it with her. And I, I just, it just kept putting me off. And then I remember her even saying like, oh, maybe like, maybe you are. And I was like, this isn't like foreplay talk. Like this is actually really like, I want to go home. Yeah. And so patronizing too. It is, it is. It's that it's patronizing. And I've had, um, even like, you know, from the community again, like disappointingly, oh, I always thought bisexuals were just greedy and you guys just can't pick. Or maybe it's like a pit stop on the way to realizing you're gay. And it's like, it is a valid sexual identity to be attracted to multiple genders, um, even, you know, being pansexual or whatever it is. And I think there is this expectation to 
um, be able to back up what you say with experiences. But we don't do that with people when they're heterosexual. You know, you might have never had a sexual experience or relationship and it's just assumed, like, oh, no, like you're, you're hetero. Mm. It's not, it's, why do we do that? But we expect so much more for people to prove their identity. I think that's a really a big part of the issue in terms of how we think about that particular sexual preference and, and it needs to change. So I kind of like that I've had all of this experience very publicly because I was speaking about this and telling people about it as I was figuring it out. And, you know, then I fell in love with a woman for the first time and I'm sharing this stuff and none of it is. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Any different to anything I've experienced? It's all just as valid. So I think we need to see more of that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so important that you're sharing it too, because people will be watching and be like, fuck, I'm going through the same thing and questioning, I guess, you know, yeah, how much they have to prove or whatever, like just those same feelings kind of running through their head and whatnot. Um, So coming out in your late 20s, how much do you think that would have differed uh, as opposed to coming out in your early 20s? Because Mm. I think this is just such a huge thing for you entering your 30s and you're just so you're so aware of who you are and you're living that so confidently like it's such an amazing thing so yeah how 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 would you compare it you know coming out in your late 20s and what it could have been like if it was any earlier are you glad that it's happened now I look I I I never like to look back and say I wish something went differently like I think everything was amazing and I actually spent a really big chunk of my 20s like from 22 to 26 yeah for about four years with the most incredible man um who I still have a lot of love for till this day um a lot of love and respect and like I don't regret that I would never go back and want to wish that I would never want to undo any of my time spent with him um but it would have been nice to have been aware of myself it would have been nice like while I was with him to just know that about myself yeah. and to have had those conversations with my family and to have that that growth and that that there's this amazing experience that we're having now as a family even and of acceptance and open conversations. It would have been amazing. But I guess the timeline of how things happened, um, they all needed to happen the way that they did for us to get to this point. Yeah. I would say though, hypothetically, if I was single in my 20s, Yes, I would have loved to have come out earlier because I think um, other than that big relationship, a lot of the choices I was making in terms of men, they were really poor. <laughs> like other than this one man that I'm like, there will never be any slander because I love that man. But yeah. everyone else, like what was I thinking? <laughs> and so like, And so when I met Georgia and like even some of the women that I've dated over the last year, I'm like, you are all like beautiful angels who have shown me like, oh my God, like this is possible. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, you mean to say I was like spending all this time like chasing up waste men when like, (laughs) it's just, you know, I know I would have made some better choices. And I do think like for me anyway, it's, it it is my choices. 
Um, I'm not going to say all men are like this because they're not. There are some beautiful men out there. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, <laughs> I need to work through with my therapist. I was making some really bad choices. And I think had I been out comfortable in my sexuality and really known myself a lot earlier, I wouldn't have made those choices. Mm, I mean, I would have made better choices across the spectrum. Yeah. Them frogs led you to a princess, though, right? Like, That's right. Ridiculous. Silver lining. <laughs> it's so funny though, because yeah, you don't want to go back and be. I I really believe in like no regrets, whatever. Yeah, every same. little thing will lead you to literally yes. where you are now. But it is funny looking back and being like, "What the fuck was I thinking?" Yeah, for some of them I was, <laughs> but there's like seriously, like I would never change a thing because, and this is the thing, like even as a queer woman, like I look back on that one relationship and I'm like that is always going to be in my heart like Mm. it was just it's I can't even explain that it was just you know and so I never regret that I even though it took me longer to come out because we were in a monogamous committed relationship Mm -hmm. I don't regret how long it took me to come out and have these experiences because I don't want to change my past every single thing was so beautiful and it shaped me and it got me to this point where now I'm enjoying this so it's like I, I can fully appreciate everything no matter how hard it was or it all contributes like you said it leads you to where you are yeah totally going back to you know where we are now in our 30s and another thing that comes up that you mentioned before is bebes how has that changed for you I guess in terms because this is an age where people always fucking ask it right oh my god all the time and now I guess when people see that you're in a same-sex relationship and whatnot and like obviously it's still possible but like how is that kind of you know, been floating around. Are people asking you, how are we feeling about it? You know, it's funny, like, because I've been so vocal about my opinion on it, people don't ask. But where I've written columns about it or talked about it, I will get really, you know, silly, ignorant trolls who say things like, well, guess your parents won't have any grandkids. And it's like, you know what, like, because I'm in a same-sex relationship, not because of my choice. And it's like, you do (laughs) realise. I, I don't know if anyone has broken this to you, yeah. <laughs> but there are ways around it. And yeah. it's like, you know, you can still have children. And it also invalidates couples who are heterosexual, but perhaps face infertility issues. Yes. They are, you know, no less, like their relationship is no less invalid, or, you know, valid or valuable. And, and so it's really silly when I see that stuff. But no one really asks me because I've been quite vocal about the fact that I don't think I want that. And I think a lot of my the reason you know my my, there are a few reasons that I've made this choice one I'm really just getting started in my career I have some pretty big ambitions around this acting hosting yeah I know this is going to be the year for it yeah and I I want to just selfishly focus on that don't even Um, say selfishly though like that's the thing and I I catch myself saying it too because that's for me career-wise this year too but like yeah, because people are like, oh, you know, you can have both. And you're like, yeah, but I don't want both. But I don't <laughs> right actually now. want both. I actually <laughs> yeah. don't want both. And here's the thing, like, and I say selfishly because I actually want to be okay with saying, no, I'm going to be selfish and it's about me for a minute. I don't want to, like, if I were to have children ever, this is somebody coming through me and I'm ready to dedicate time to that. I don't want to. I actually mm-hmm. don't want to dedicate time to another living being that is dependent on me yeah so like I'm fully owning it like and that's okay like you're allowed to say that and so career is one thing I don't want to choose and split my time I know I can if I wanted to split my time sure I could I don't want to but also 
there are a number of things that I think I'm working through massive mental health advocate Mm -hmm. in therapy at the moment. And there are just things that I want to work through for me. Right. And if kids were in the mix, I a hundred percent would want to work through them before I bring kids into the mix, because I think a lot of people. And that's selfless. That's you know, self, that is selfish. Because that's thinking about their well-being and how you would raise but that's them. And how, how you should you, be. You know, show up as a parent. So like, and, and you should be that way if you're having kids. It's not about you. And I mm-hmm. think if having kids is a quick fix for relationship issues because you think that needs to be your next thing in life or society's putting pressure on you, none of that is about the kid. So unless I wake up one day and I'm like, I'm fully ready to make a decision for somebody else, it's not about me, it's about mm-hmm. them. I don't think I'm in a place where I should be a parent and I'm so cool with that. I don't think my sole purpose is to to be a mother. When did so, you decide this? Like when did this first kind of come up and you're like, hang on, I actually don't think I want this, you know? I think last few years it's been bubbling yeah. away. Like last few years, I was thinking about it in my mid-20s and then after becoming single and I started to really like have this freedom to pursue all of my goals and I was just loving life and I just felt in my gut. I'm like, you know, I don't really think – that's something that I'm feeling called to. I'm just not. Um, and that's not to say, and here's the thing, it's also okay that one day I might wake up and change my mind. Totally. But it's my choice. Yeah. And it's a person's choice. That's what matters. So um, at the moment, I, I don't see it changing and I'm so okay with that. Yeah. Isn't it funny though how the expectation, and it goes for you know deciding whether or not you want to have kids or how you freaking identify in terms of your sexuality, there's always this pressure to just pick a side you're this side or you're the other side you want kids or you don't want kids you can't like bounce between isn't that just it's so silly it's so silly and for anyone who's listening and struggling with that if whether it comes to your sexuality or your choice to have children this is your reminder that 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 does not that's not true there's no need to pick a side if you change your mind about wanting kids if your sexual preferences evolve that's all okay it's fluid. Yeah. And it's never uh, too late to change your mind. You know, if you're choosing to come out, you know, in your late 20s or even if you're choosing to come out in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, whatever, there's no due date on any of this shit. Like that's what life is all about. It's just figuring it out. And when th- things come up at different times for people and that's okay. Yeah. I think that's probably the best way to articulate it. Just whatever feels right for you in the moment. And, and I know it's going to be hard when everyone's got an opinion on what that should be. But if you're listening to yourself and, and going with your gut, at the end of the day, you won't be disappointing yourself. A hundred percent. So you've put a lot of this into your book, which is out today Unbounded. How was that yeah. process writing? Writing is not easy. Well, I don't know about you, but I hate writing and having a book out is ironic given how much I despise it. But, and for <laughs> you to do, you know, put so much personal stuff in there how did you find yeah. that process was it a bit um I guess like emotionally like how how was that yeah it was a lot so unbounded is a self-help resource but I firmly believe that people connect best with stories yes. and so if I've written a book that gives you 10 steps to literally change your own life I'm not going to just throw academic research at you I'm going to share the research and the data, yes, but I knew that people would connect with my lived experiences and my stories. So I knew it was something that I had to do and it was something I wanted to do because, and it's it's interesting, I had a chat with my mum and my dad because there's obviously a lot of stuff that we've gone through collectively as a family as well in there. But 
I'm not about to sit here and, and talk to people about how they can manifest a life beyond limits when I don't talk about the perceived limits that I had. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I said to mom and dad, if there's something you're not comfortable with, I won't put it in there. But they literally said to me, they said, Maria, if somebody picks up this book and they might be where you were 10 years ago or their family might have gone through what we went through 15 years ago, you know, if they can pick this book up and read that and realize that that's not the end of the tunnel for them, that it actually can get better, then let's put it out there. Man, I love um, the growth yeah. of your parents. Like I'm standing at Oh my hard. God, <laughs> I know. Oh, it's like South Asian parents as well. Like yeah. you know how, how big a deal it is because there's such a big pressure on, we don't talk about anything and there's this emphasis on, just you know honor and this and that but my parents their idea of what constitutes honor it's about living truthfully it's about being inclusive and it's about impact and I love this because I grew up as a you know religious kid no longer identify as religious and I talk about my concept of spirituality in the book um but mom and dad are still religious but collectively what we believe it's it's funny um I I feel like we're living their values a lot more closely by living in this way because it's yeah. not about pride it's not about ego it's not about acting like you're perfect and your family's perfect it's about saying actually we've had some really freaking hard times yeah. and you know what we've made some really big mistakes but these are the lessons we learned and this is how things got better this is what we took from it so I've looked at so many different parts of my life from family experiences experiences with racism experiences with homophobia self-harm and mental health challenges which literally the world does not know about me um I've taken and even career stuff like when I worked in HR versus what it was like throwing myself into Miss Universe Mm. I've taken all these stories and I've sifted through them to find the pearls of wisdom and say okay and this is what I did and this is how it worked and so you have a story in every chapter there are 10 chapters and each one is a verb it's a doing word it's a call to action so Um, If you're the reader, you'll find journal prompts at the end of every chapter that helps you to do it too and introspect how you can do it. So it's a very active book. Um, It is definitely going to help you to introspect and look at your own life, figure out how to tell your own story and then figure out how to rewrite it and change your future. So I'm just excited for it to be in people's hands. Yeah, it's it's an amazing feeling when you see, like you'll be seeing people today posting the book in their hands and then oh. also when they're holding the book in like stunning locations, like someone could be overseas or just on a hillside or in a bath. And it's like, it's so cool seeing that kind of stuff. Like it never ah, gets old. I can't wait. <laughs> um, so everything that you've kind of detailed and, you know, everything that you've communicated about your family as well, like the parents are just popping off on personal development, but I also feel like there is huge empathy from you and beyond family dynamic in terms of racism and, um, you know, being queer and, and whatnot, like it takes a lot of empathy to kind of sit back and unpack it from, you know, all areas and see why people are like that, how you can, you know, change it or, you know, how you can kind of be a better person out of it. Who, if you had to name one person, I guess, in your life, and it could be your mum or your dad or your brother or a friend or a mentor, who do you think has practiced empathy, you know, the best in your life and that you've really took that from them? It's really hard to narrow it down to one person. Um, but I do see it with my family and my brother, like my brother Dom. So Dom, some of the things that Dom has been through, and again, like I know he's got a brilliant story to tell. It's actually different from mine. Yeah. Despite growing up in similar circumstances, we experienced it very differently. 
and we went down very different paths. Um, Dominic has been through a lot and the world has not been kind to him, but the way he poetically and beautifully turns it into something that he can share that, you know, he, it makes him understand the world better. And, and he is now thriving as his most, you know, he's most, he's his most himself. Um, Dominic really inspires me to be just better and to be more patient and understanding. And even if I am frustrated or whatever, he's actually the person I call. He's ironically like a bigger brother, but he's younger than me. <laughs> yeah. um, so I call him a lot when I've got issues and, and things that I need him to talk through because he's so wise. He's like a, he's like an old man in a very young body, <laughs> but he's very wise. And I think for what he's been through, I think that's all the more extraordinary. Yeah. And how special that you get to, you know, do this week together. So what have you guys got planned yeah. for World Pride? Because there's it's so much like so much big glitzy stuff happening it looks so fun oh my god it's good I literally just got back from a fitting with my stylist oh my god Bridget when you see the outfits that I have lined (laughs) up for it's amazing it's very like Emily in Paris but she's queer (laughs) (laughs) so I'm very excited for the outfits um there's a lot of activity and press stuff happening at the same time as Pride for my book Mm. um and for Pride um I'm also an Olay ambassador so I'm so proud. I've got, a, I'm going to be revealing a very, very, the most extra outfit I've ever worn in my life. Oh my God, yes. And it's a nod to Ole's glow up your own way slogans. That's a clue. And Ole um, and I, I'm going to be on their float. And I've also got my brother, my girlfriend and Dom's boyfriend as well walking beside me. So oh, it's great. like, you know, the siblings and our partners. And then we've got um, like after parties there I'm also a TikTok global pride ambassador so I'm going to a few TikTok events and after parties and there's the you know concert so it's it's going to be a really big big week a lot of events but I'm just so excited to celebrate with literally my best friends my brother our partners like it is something the dreams are made of so, yeah yeah oh, it's gonna just be a beautiful week to celebrate everything you I know think so turning 30 having you know your relationship out in the open I doing know. this with your brother it's yeah it's all oh, the book like everything's so hell wholesome yeah. um moving forward I guess you know we don't want to look to the uh, to the future too much you got to like you know really enjoy the present and whatnot but what do you see ahead for your 30s like how are you feeling about what's to come because everyone always says I feel like the first few years of your 30s the learning curve there can be almost as big as what you experienced in your 20s really mm-hmm. I've and never heard anyone like, say that really and then like satin return well did you have your satin return do you think you've experienced your oh no return? I don't know what that is oh, um, I don't know anything about like astrology and things oh. like that like I actually don't know what that is okay so satin return it can be it doesn't have to necessarily be a bad thing but it's usually between the age of like 27 to 31 where just shit happens and maybe at the time you're like like bad shit well, it, it, it doesn't have to be bad things. It could just be something unexpected or just like big life changes. And maybe there's a little bit of uncertainty, but it all leads you. I think I had like, it. Yeah. What do you think it was? I think it was when I had my relationship breakdown. I was like literally $12,000 in debt. And I moved How old back. Were you when this I was happened? 27. Okay. I moved back home with my mum and dad, and I was working in a job that I hated. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What am I doing?" Like, and I was really miserable. And I had, I was, I'm, I've known I've had anxiety. Like, oh, I was diagnosed in 2013. Stopped seeing a therapist, and I know it's continued in my 20s. So, like, life just wasn't. It wasn't good. It was very uprooted. 
So that was like a very big crossroads moment. And then I decided I'm going to apply to Miss Universe. I'm going to focus on this. Within like the two years of, within a year of applying, I ended up winning after COVID. And then it was like, boom, 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 boom. Like life has just gotten better, 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 yeah, better. I think that was your sudden return. <laughs> if it wasn't, please, I don't need no. another. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think we're good. I think we're good. I no, think I'm that really could be good. It. Like, can I just enjoy like, yeah. the, I just, I, there was a lot that happened yeah. and I don't need another one. <laughs> I mean, there's like retrogrades and shit, but I honestly don't pay attention to them because I'm like, I don't need it. I already had my sudden return. I'm yeah. like, you know, when it's like, you know, when they say like, oh my God, only gives his hardest battles to his strongest sh- so- soldiers. It's like, I would like to not be the strongest soldier. <laughs> Can I not? Anymore. <laughs> like, Can I done. not volunteer? <laughs> no. I so get that. Okay, so I think I've had my Saturn return. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to just completely ignore that. Let's just, it doesn't exist, doesn't matter. But yeah, looking ahead for the your 30s, like how are you feeling about looking at what's to come? Do you love knowing the unknown? I like knowing that it's, it's an adventure and anything is possible, but this mm-hmm. is what I'm – this is what I forecast, but if, if life is anything to go by, the end of my 30s is going to be completely different to what my expectations are, as my 20s have been. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm focusing on acting this year, so there'll be a little bit more to come from that, so you'll see that. And I also will be looking a little bit more at things like a podcast and hosting. I was going to and say, I, you, without sounding like a creep, you have a really nice voice and like podcast, radio. Oh my God. Bridget, you, thank you so much. I'll endorse you on LinkedIn. <laughs> endorse you on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, if I have a podcast, I'll have a segment that's like, hi, this is Love Song Dedications for Bridget. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Like, I, I think it'd be amazing. I've just had a little bit on, a little bit on. So when it quietens down, that'd be good. But just with that stuff alone and with the book, you never know who will read it, where it'll end up and mm-hmm. what comes of that. So I just think between career stuff, you know, moving into those spheres and then just enjoying life, um, I think my 30s are going to be a really good time. They're going to be so. a hoot, babe. It's going to be a really good time. I'm excited. Yeah. Maria, I've loved chatting. This has been a real blast and I'm, yeah, so grateful that you took time on your book release day. You've got a massive week ahead, but thank you so much and enjoy your week and enjoy your 30s, man. Thank you, Bridget. It has been such a pleasure. Enjoy, you know, your book being out in the world, being a cougar, loving life, (laughs) all of the above. So good to chat. Thank you so much. Thanks, beautiful. If you like what you heard from Maria in this conversation, be sure to check out her first ever published book, which is officially out today. It's called Unbounded, and I've attached the link to purchase that book in the show notes of this episode. Thank you so much for joining me again. I'm Bridget Hustwaite. Figuring Out 30 is an independent podcast that's been created on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And if you like what you're hearing from this podcast project, please be sure to share it and subscribe and review it and spread the word, spread the love. Thank you so much again for listening. I'll catch you next week. Bye.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.